There remains something ominous about the number 13, especially when it's used to describe a day's relative position in the month. Does Thursday the 13th strike fear in your veins, or is it just another adjective to be used as a placeholder in a sentence? Thank goodness the scope of Charlottesville community engagement does not cover such philosophical questioning. I'm Sean Tubbs, and I shall be careful to not step on a crack this or any other day. On today's program, the deadline is extended for firms who want to operate Albemarle County's microtransit pilot on behalf of Charlottesville Area Transit. The Charlottesville Planning Commission gets a very brief look at three words in the third module of the draft zoning. Charlottesville will hire a firm to provide lifeguards and other staff for one of their outdoor pools, and more on the University of Virginia's critique of a funded transportation improvement near their Fontaine Research Park. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, it's the most wonderful time of the year here in Charlottesville. The days are getting longer, the dogwoods are in bloom, and most importantly, it's the WTJU Rock Marathon, coming up Monday, April 17th through Sunday, April 23rd. WTJU's musical rite of spring connects us with the elemental and brings ineffable joy. Now is the time to plot out what you will listen to by checking out the schedule that runs from Baroque Pop Breakfast on Monday at 8 a.m. to halfway to Halloween at the very end of the marathon. Along the way, there are programs such as the Rum Cove's Teenage New Wave Punk Rock Extravaganza, A Young Person's Guide to XTC, and Wes Anderson's Movie Soundscapes. But make no mistake, the only way WTJU can keep this music-loving community afloat is with support from listeners like you. Consider a donation today. Charlottesville Area Transit is seeking a firm to help them run a pilot-on-demand program for Albemarle County and have extended the deadline for bids to April 26th. That's eight days later than April 18th. That's one of several items in an addendum put out today to the request for proposals for a company to provide the service. The addendum also has answers to 41 questions asked by would-be vendors. Here is some information that can be learned from this section. Vendors will need to determine how many vehicles they will need to provide the service. Vendors will need to define what they consider to be a service disruption as part of their data reporting requirements. Vendors would not need to provide the service on Sundays. Vendors will need to provide a service and operations plan. The vendor will need to provide a call center to book a ride between 6.15 a.m. and 8.45 p.m. CAT will provide uniforms to drivers under this service. Digital submissions will not be accepted for proposals, and Albemarle County will decide whether to continue the service after the first year. For more on this proposed service, there are several articles worth reviewing. Go take a look in the newsletter. They have headlines, such as Charlottesville Area Transit to Operate On-Demand Demonstration in Albemarle, and so on. (laughs) 
It pays to listen to the pre-meeting of the Charlottesville Planning Commission every month, as there is often material that is discussed that may be relevant to those interested in matters such as the rewrite of the zoning code to allow for significantly more residential density than currently allowed. Before I begin, I still want to go through, at some point, the rest of the March 29th meeting between the Charlottesville Planning Commission and the City Council on the zoning rewrite to date. The first two modules for the draft code are out, with a third waiting to be released. The Planning Commission had another scheduled discussion of the work to date at the end of their April 11th meeting, but they discussed the matter at their pre-meeting, which was posted to the video archive. Here is Chair Lyle Sola Yates. Zoning, another big topic. Uh, Table of authority, a term I had not heard before. There were no new written materials made available to the public on zoning for the April 11th meeting. That's according to Missy Creasy, the city's deputy director of Neighborhood Development Services. We don't have any new material on that for this evening. But Sola Yates had raised the curiosity of other planning commissioners. Here is Rory Stolzenberg and Liz Russell. What was that phrase you just used? Yeah, see? Table yeah. of authority. Where did you... Where do you see that? Someone told me it. You'll hear, hear more about it later. <laughs> this is a spoiler. Oh, okay. Table of authority. Tell your friends. Everybody's talking about it. The third module will be on the administration of the zoning code in the future. That information has not been released yet, but as chair of the planning commission, Soli Yates must have been given at least a sketch of what to expect. NDS director James Fries stepped in to explain. It, it is a table that would sit at the beginning of the of module three of that portion of the zoning ordinance and it's basically a quick reference table that tells you if I'm trying to do this who do I go to so if I'm trying to do a special use permit I know that goes to planning commission and city council right if I'm trying to get a variance I know that goes to the zoning administrator and the BZA it pays to always watch the pre-meeting because you never know what you may learn that isn't really on the agenda I also learned that planning is in the works for a joint meeting of the Albemarle and Charlottesville Planning Commissions. The two bodies have not met since January 24, 2017, according to Missy Creasy. Back to zoning. The comment period for Module 1 and Module 2 is open until April 30th, and there's a second open house scheduled for Saturday morning downtown in city space at the same time as the Dogwood Parade. There are 46 days until Memorial Day and the traditional opening of municipal pools. And the warm weather this weekend may have many planning ahead for how they will cool off in that near future. The Charlottesville Planning Commission this week got updates on preparations in the city's Parks and Recreation Department to get ready for the summer programming. Overall, the department has some vacancies to fill. Here is Planning Commissioner Hosea Mitchell. We are at least 12 FTEs down, full-time vacancies uh, that, are, that are vacant, and we're working to fill those, but it's, it's been quite the effort. In recent years, the city has had to alternate opening days at the two outdoor pools at Washington Park and Mead Park due to a lack of lifeguards. While staffing challenges remain, this year will be different. Well, we're a lot short on lifeguards, but we, uh, we have a mitigation plan. It looks like we are going to outsource or contract out the uh, support for honesty, the honesty pool. And we will then directly staff uh, Washington Park and Smith Pool with our own people. More on this as the topic continues to get warmer. 
You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out, the friends of Charlottesville Downtown are getting ready for the month-long Downtown in Bloom event this May, with a celebration of art, flowers, and the beauty of spring. They want you to get ready for a series of free events. Charlottesville City Schools will host their annual art exhibit on the windows of shops on the Downtown Mall with a family night on May 5th, with project displays on the Code Building. There will be a spring stroll all month with specialty drinks at bars, restaurants, and coffee shops. Pick up the spring stroll passport to qualify for a special celebration. There will be a flower market at Ting Pavilion on May 4th, 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. Participating businesses will have a flower competition in container gardens and planter boxes outside of their establishments. And the 2023 Chalk Fest will be held on May 20th, with 13 local artists creating murals from the Ting Pavilion to the Dairy Market. To learn more about Downtown in Bloom and other initiatives of Friends of Charlottesville Downtown, visit friendsofseaville.org. story today and it kind of actually covers some ground I covered yesterday, but today I think I cover it better than I did yesterday. In late 2019, the Charlottesville City Council and the Albemarle Board of Supervisors agreed to end a public body known as the Planning and Coordination Council that met openly with University of Virginia officials to discuss the infrastructure needed for a growing community. This was replaced with the Closed Door Land Use and Environmental Planning Committee, or LUPEC, which meets every month. In its first two meetings of the year, the group has talked about some of the potential transportation solutions in areas where the University of Virginia has plans to significantly increase its activities. These two areas include Ivy Road and Old Ivy Road, as well as the Fontaine Research Park and Fontaine Avenue. In February, the Virginia Department of Transportation presented a concept for some suggested ways to increase safety at the interchange of Interstate 64 with the U.S. 29-250 bypass. The Charlottesville-Albemarle Metropolitan Planning Organization secured nearly $12.4 million in funding in the fourth smart-scale round for a project with this description. The project will provide alternative intersection interchange improvements to the Diamond Interchange, includes a signalized partial westbound crossover intersection at the northbound ramp terminal intersection with relocated left turning movements, the closure of the northbound 29 to westbound I-64 crossover, and reroute of the movement through the Fontaine 29 interchange, an extension of the shared use path through the interchange. One of these ideas would have rerouted vehicles on northbound US-29 who wanted to get to westbound I-64. Their new movement would have been to go through the Fontaine Avenue interchange and do a U-turn. This would have eliminated the current situation where vehicles cut across southbound traffic on US-29, which puts vehicles in direct danger of collision. In March, there was a second presentation from the University of Virginia at a LUPEC meeting, they hired the firm VHB to review VDOT's work to date. These meetings are not open to the public, but Planning Commissioner Hosea Mitchell attended the meeting as a planning commissioner and had this account. 
um, that area will continue, the traffic will continue to grow as we continue to build out, uh, build out that area. And will be uh, be intensified by the by the um, the onboarding of the um, the biotech building that uh, is on the way. Mitchell reported that UVA is modeling what a full traffic build out of Fontaine Research Park will look like in 2025 when a new parking garage is expected to open at Fontaine Research Park. And it's going to be pretty busy out there. The, um, they walked us through a pretty in depth um, analysis of their data. And there's a little back and forth between uh, UVA's data and um, and uh, VDOT's data, but we're working through that. But again, you guys have the PowerPoint uh, presentation on that. And you, the reader, also have more information thanks to this report. And I will state again here, like I did yesterday, that I changed the headline for yesterday's newsletter after being contacted by someone from the media team at VDOT that shelved wasn't quite the right description, given that design is still ongoing. I agreed to change the phrase to critiqued, because that's more accurate. Decisions on what gets funded are ratified by local elected officials and the Commonwealth Transportation Board, and not members of the UVA Board of Visitors. The SmartScale project is in the design phase, and UVA's hiring of a consultant is a normal attempt to influence what happens in their backyard. That's just part of the process. The Fontaine Research Park is now owned directly by the Board of Visitors of UVA after being owned by the University of Virginia Foundation for many years. The foundation owns hundreds of acres nearby, including a 12.6-acre parcel rezoned by Albemarle County in 2011 for a 100,000-square-foot office building that was never built. Yet. None of us members of the public would have been allowed into the March 17th meeting of the Land Use and Environmental Planning Committee, but at least we have the PowerPoint, and here's what we can learn from it. UVA hired VHB to conduct a supplementary traffic analysis as part of the Fontaine Park Master Plan Traffic Study based on the SmartScale project that's in design. Here's a section from the presentation. The objective was to update the analysis with new 2022 traffic counts, evaluate the roadway performance in 2025 when the Fontaine parking deck is anticipated to open, and analyze Fontaine Park build-out with a now-funded Fontaine Avenue interchange project. A goal was to determine what traffic signal timing parameters would be needed at the intersection of Fontaine Avenue and Ray C. Hunt Drive. That is the sole entrance to the Fontaine Research Park. The study modeled the year 2045 based on anticipated build-out of the park. The analysis found that many of the turning movements would be significantly congested by the proposed configuration during morning and afternoon peak hours. Here's a section from page 10 of the presentation. Some of the congestion is due to limitations of the funded interchange project, while some is due to capacity constraints along Fontaine Avenue at the Ray C. Hunt Drive signal. The presentation also acknowledged that whoever is awarded the contract to design and build the interchange improvements will conduct their own traffic study. Here's more from the presentation. The project can be tweaked in design, but the budget is largely fixed, so design alterations are limited. What next? I reported that part yesterday, it turns out. But to send the point home, the latest written update on the county's transportation priorities dated April 5th states it pretty clearly. 
Here's a section from page six of the report, link in the newsletter. Recently, stakeholders have expressed concern that the proposed displaced left-turn R-cut interchange does not meet the long-term needs of the rapidly developing area. Albemarle County is working with fellow stakeholders and VDOT to determine next steps for this project. Journalism is about asking questions. Which stakeholders? What concerns? What are the long-term needs? Whose needs? It's the mission of Charlottesville Community Engagement to not only ask those questions, but to piece together as much as I can, continuing the work I've been doing for a long while. I am grateful for paid subscriptions that help me keep going as there's a lot to know about. And now the rest of us know a little bit more about what people in a closed-door meeting got to see for themselves. More from the Charlottesville Planning Commission meeting in a future installment. But that is the end of number 522. It is not often I write the same story two days in a row, but there was more reporting to be done with the Fontaine Interchange story, and there's more to go. I'm grateful to have control over what I report and that my subscribers support experimenting on the fly. This is all an experiment, and I'm grateful for the support I have from hundreds of paid subscribers. This venture can always use more as I think about how I can hire people to help me report about items I know community members want reported. If you sign up through Substack, Ting will match your initial payment. They're good eggs that way. And one day, maybe I'll sign up for their high-speed internet too. If you sign up for Ting at a link in the newsletter and enter the promo code COMMUNITY, you will get free installation, a second month for free, a $75 gift card to the downtown mall. Thank you to Rocky for the incidental music, which ends every podcast just like this. Goodbye.